0: Good day, everyone, and welcome to the ESPN Media Conference Call with Mel Typer, Jr., and Todd McShay. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the conference to Ali Stoneberg. Please go ahead, ma'am. Thank you, Augusta. Special thanks to those media members joining us on a Sunday afternoon. In addition to getting Todd and Mel's thoughts on the draft during this call, you can also find more insights of theirs on ESPN.com and throughout tonight's SportsCenter special draft grades. This show begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. We're going to get started a little early here, and like always, please skip those personal greetings and start right away with your questions. This call will be a bit shorter than most, and I want to get to as many of our RSVPs as we can. We'll begin with a question from Joe Fan with the San Francisco 49ers, followed by Josh Katzenstein with the New Orleans Times Sicune.
1: Awesome, thanks. Uh, I guess just two quick ones, just an overall assessment of what the 49ers did in the draft and then maybe what the sentiment is around the league of of John Lynch. Uh, I know a lot of speculation going in saying that maybe he wasn't ready and wasn't qualified and uh, didn't know what he was doing, and uh, now maybe post-draft what the sentiment is on him.
2: I thought John Lynch killed it. I mean, just starting with the first pick, I'll cover that and Mel can take it from there, but when you, you look at what they did, they're sitting at two. They want Solomon Thomas. They are able to strike a deal with whatever information they put out there or was being put out there by by other teams, somehow able to get Chicago to come up one spot. And they so they move down one spot. They get Solomon Thomas, who I think is a really good fit for that defensive scheme, can be a versatile player that you can play on the outside, and can rush the passer, I think, from the inside very effectively. I actually think that's where he's at his best, rushing the passer. So they they get Thomas, and then they use part of their, um, you know, part of what they got from moving down to get Reuben Foster. Where they moved up in the back half uh, to 31, I think it was, to get Reuben Foster, who's one of the I, I honestly think he's one of the five best football players in this draft. He fell because of some character concerns and durability issues, but. Now you've got your defensive front seven. You've loaded up on two of the five best players in the draft. You've also got Adrian Colbert thrown in there as a defensive back in the seventh round, but you, plus you get the second and third round picks in 2018. So net-net for this whole thing, you get Solomon Thomas, Reuben Foster, Adrian Colbert, and a second and third round pick in 2018 draft. Who, you know, we'll see how things play out, but maybe it's part of the package to move up to go get one of the great quarterbacks next year. So any way they you slice it, the ammunition that they got from moving back one spot was uh was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I think the one pick that you look at that's kinda of key to this is C J Beathard in the third round. And they could have had Nate Peterman, Todd Tile and Josh Dobbs. They could have had him, uh and they took C J Beathard, who's kinda of like Barkley, and Hoyer. So we'll see. And there's a lot of talk that Kirk Cousins could end up next year, or two years, a 49er. So we'll see how that plays out. But Bethard, I think, will be judged against Peterman and Dobbs and see how their careers pan out. I like George Kittle in the fifth round, a kid out of Iowa, Kirk Ferentz's pro offense there, could be an H-back, move tight end, fullback, uh, the versus in the pass-catching ability, the speed. He showed four five two speed, um speed. You know, like I said, comes out of an offense conducive to success to the pro level. I think George Kittle in the fifth round pick 146. Uh was a real good one for them.
0: Next we'll go to Josh Katzenstein, followed by Mike DiRocco with ESPN's NFL Nation.
1: Just uh, wondering, how beneficial was it for the Saints that uh, Marshawn Lattimore slipped
2: to number 11? And then what's your evaluation on their two defensive ends? Because that was obviously a big eight. They got Trey Hendrickson and uh, Al-Quaqin Muhammad from Miami.
1: Yeah, I think when you look at, uh, at Lattimore, if he's healthy. I you know, he's a one-year guy, but he's a heck of a cover corner. And he's also was good on special teams. And, you know, there's no question he's a talent. Uh, he was clearly the best cornerback in this draft. And they slipped all 11 and they get him. And there, I know there were some teams thinking about trading up, or 18 trading about that was talked about maybe trying to trade up to get him if he dropped to that area. And obviously the Saints weren't going to win any part of any trade because they wanted him. So if there was anybody trying to trade up to their spot to get Lattimore, they were taking him. So uh, obviously they weren't the only team that liked him. Uh, and there was a lot of reasons to like him. The, the, obviously, the hamstring issues are the concern. Ramcheck, that would be the right tackle. Uh, Marcus Williams can play corner or safety. Kamara is a good X-factor player, good accent piece. Anzalone is a good pick if he can stay healthy. Trey Hendrickson, to me, is is, uh, is Rob Ninkovich. He's that kind of player. And then Muhammad had a really good year two years ago. So, uh, you know, you think about it, um, you know, they got an awful lot here. Now, they gave up a second in 2018 for Kamara, and, you know, the Cook straight and all that, but, and I got him ram checked. But as far as, uh, you know, the draft, I gave him a B grade. And I think the key player down the line, if you want to look at the key in this draft, is going to be, can Anzalone stay healthy? If he does, he's a good football player.
2: Yeah. And, and I would add that this is a team that finished 32nd last in the league in past defense this year, this past year, and, and 31st the year before. And I, sometimes you have to have good fortune. And they, I thought they had good fortune in the fact that, Three quarterbacks come off the board in the – or two quarterbacks come off the board in the first nine picks, and three wide receivers come off the board in the first nine picks. So, well, that's not even true. Let's see. Quarterback – yeah, no, in the first ten picks. Two quarterbacks and three receivers off the board in the first ten picks, and that helps push Lattimore down to 11. So – you know, we just didn't know how many receivers and quarterbacks were going to wind up in there and certainly didn't think it was going to be five. I don't want to speak for you, Mel, but I didn't think there was going to be five quarterbacks and receivers taken in the first ten picks. And they get the guy – the guy. likely they wanted to fall there all along. So you've got – I think – and you can say it with any player, but specifically because of his hamstring issues, if he stays healthy, I think they got the best man-to-man cover corner in this draft in terms of pure skill level – and ability to, to eliminate separation. He also is the guy that can turn the ball over. He's got very good ball skills.
0: We'll go to Mike DiRocco, followed by Danny Cunningham with ESPN Cleveland. Do
2: you guys like the G d. d Westbrook pick in the fourth round? And, and what kind of an impact can you see him making on this team?
1: You know, in the fourth round, I can't really argue you uh, with a fourth round pick from a kid who had made a lot of big plays for that offense. Um, he's got some versatility. There were other receivers there that obviously came in for the draft maybe with, you know, less of an issue. But I think you look at talent, and that usually wins out, and it won out there. Um, Certainly in terms of their overall draft, I mean, Fournette, I'm not an advocate of taking running backs in the first round, but Fournette fits that bill for what Tom Coughlin wants. His signature piece was Fred Taylor when he took over early on his first stint there. Cam Robinson's going to be a right tackle, and he's a mauler, and he's going to help Fournette in the run game. Smoot, two years ago, was a good player. This year, his big playability and his impact plays were, were not nearly as as, uh, as as effective and as productive. And the numbers, you didn't see the numbers there. You didn't see the domination that you thought you would see from Smoot after a really good junior campaign. I like Blair Brown. He's productive, and he's fast at the football. Myrick tested great, didn't play quite as well, and Williams is a big fullback. So, yeah, I think, you, know, you just look at philosophy for me, it's not to take Fournette, but he fits what they do. I think the key guy is going to be Smoot. Can Smoot be the pass rusher that everybody thought going into this season he was going to become?
0: We'll go to Danny Cunningham, followed by Nate Ulrich with the Akron Beacon Journal. Danny, if you're on the line, go ahead with your question. Okay. We'll go to Nate Ulrich with the Akron Beacon Journal.
1: Hey, guys, I was just hoping you could Give us a breakdown of your thoughts on the Browns and, you know, um, specifically the quarterback decisions they made, um, not getting guys in the first round, and then uh, Kaiser at 52.
2: Well, I I think they did the right thing at one with with Miles Garrett. I think he's the best player in the draft. And to me, I know that Trubisky wound up going number two. I thought there was a big difference between Miles Garrett and any of the quarterbacks. And so while it's frustrating as a Browns fan, I I think they did the right thing as an organization. Now, how they handled the process, you know, I can't say specifically I know exactly what happened, but I do know that Chicago moved up to number two. And if you like Trubisky, why didn't you move up to number two to secure him? Were they trying to move up to number five and thought that no one was a threat behind them to move up and, and leapfrog them? You know, there's... It depends on what rumor you, you believe in. So I think if you like Trubisky enough to move up to five, you should move up to two and go get him. And that's the bottom line for me. So, you know, the rest of the draft, Deshaun Kaiser's is a long-term project. I hope Browns fans don't expect this guy to come in and, and become a, an immediate starter and an impact player. Jabril Peppers, Mel is higher on than me. I think he's a really good athlete. I think he's going to be a, an outstanding punt returner if they use him in that role. I think he can certainly be used on the offensive side. I think he's with an organization and Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, can utilize him to the best of his abilities, keep him closer to the line and kind of that nickel roll, allow him to, you know, match up against some bigger wide receivers, some tight ends and man to man, but you can't expect him to be a, a guy that's going to cover a, a lot of the deep, um deep ground and coverage. And there are going to be some certain man to man matchups that it just, he's not, fluid enough to handle. So I think he's, he'll be handled properly there and, and will develop and become a better player on the defensive side than he, he is as a rookie. I love the pick of Dave Njoku. I actually thought they should have taken him at 25. They move back in and get him. And I'm not usually not a big proponent of, of moving up for anything but a quarterback. But in this case, with all the picks that they've acquired over the last couple of years and, and for next year, I, I think Njoku is a weapon that whoever the quarterback winds up being – He's a weapon that not many teams have, a guy that can stretch the field vertically in speed and explosiveness. And after the catch, he's he's probably, you know, he and um, and O.J. Howard are the two best after-the-catch tight ends in this class. So, you know, Kaiser's the one that everyone's going to look at, and the focus is going to be there. And understandably, I thought Larry Ogunjobi from, from Charlotte at 65 was a good pick. I thought Howard Wilson was a really good pick, great ball skills. I, I liked his tape a lot, and and I think if he had gone back to school, he might have been a second round pick a year from now. He just he's got some durability history, but but he can play, and and I think he'll continue to get better as well. So I like a lot of the pieces. I think they got two really good defensive backs. They got a great defensive end. I think they got a great tight end, and um and so there's a lot to pull from here. But the, the Deshaun Kaiser is a long term developmental project, and I would not. You know, maybe he's on the field. I, I'm not saying whether he will or won't be. I don't think he should be playing in his rookie year. Yeah, the, the guy with
1: that Todd said, "I think the, you look at Kaiser in the second round. I would have rather gotten Peterman in the fifth, and they could have had him in the fifth round where they were picking. They took Roderick Johnson, an offensive tackle out of Florida State, who has talent but underachieved with the Seminoles. They got a lot of good players though. The guys that can be at least." backups or hole fillers. So I give them a lot of credit for that. I'd probably give them an A had they taken another quarterback. I mean, Kaiser, to me, is a developmental quarterback, no question about that. I think Peterman will advance quicker. Kaiser has better, better physical and athletic ability and, obviously, a stronger arm and better mobility. Uh, the talent's there in terms of that, the skill set, but the decision-making and the accuracy, can you teach that? Can you coach that up? Uh, he hold, holds the ball way, way, way too long, and he did not have a, a, a great year in college. He had a mediocre year, and my concern is if you had a mediocre year in, in college against college defenses, how how you're going to do in the NFL, and you can't blame it all on not having Will Fuller and Ronnie Stanley and, and, and other receivers that, that moved on uh, from the previous year. So that's the key pick down the road. I think they did do a good job getting a lot of players who are going to help this football team. Plus, they get a
0: 2018 first. Sorry about that, now. Next, we'll mm-hmm. go to Vance Fensel, and then after that, Jim Klein-Peter with the New Orleans Times Picayune.
1: Hey, guys. Just wanted to ask about the Eagles draft, uh, what are your thoughts were on picks like Susan, mm-hmm. some of the guys they took, um, and the upside and uh, ability to play this season as well as 2018-2019. I thought this, You know, and I'll, go, go, go. I'll just go real quick, Derek Barnett, if he can do what he did in college in the NFL and beat Terrell Suggs like everybody hopes, that's the optimistic, that's the glad F-full. If you want to go negative, you say, well, with 4.88 speed, you know, and anticipating and count to get in the best of offensive tackles in college, you know, most of which are never going to see light of day in the NFL, and he's going to run into resistance. So look at it either way. Sidney Jones, I think, was a great pick. You get a top 10, top 15 pick in the second round because he's got the red shirt his rookie year. That's the Smart move. Russell Douglas has good ball skills, and he anticipates well, and he has the length. Good pick. Matt Collins, great fourth-round pick, same thing. Big receiver with ball skills. Donnell Pumphrey, is worried about the size. College football is not the NFL. He's going to be brought down too easily. Blocking is an issue. Shelton Gibson, I like them in the fifth. Gary is just an opportunistic player. And Qualls in the sixth round, I can't argue with. I thought they had a solid draft overall. I think the key is going to be, obviously, Barnett. What kind of player is he at the pro
2: level? I thought they had a great draft. To me, you look at what they want to do organizationally. Joe Douglas comes in, Andy White, the assistant director of player personnel, those guys had a plan. They wanted in their first draft and and rightfully so wanted to make sure that they brought in guys that represent what they want to be as an organization, loving football, high effort guys, versatile players, and and just quality players that love just playing the game and are going to give you the effort that – that you want. And they, you know, there were some more talented players maybe on the board at other positions, just in terms of physical tools. But Barnett at 14 was the the most productive player and the guy who they felt like had the least concerns. I and mean, when you look at the no durability concern, his character's awesome. So they bring him in and they set a tone for this organization and who they're going to be. They needed to get better on the edge. At some point, you know, you've got Chris Long who's just four sacks with New England last year, signed a two-year contract, and got a bunch of guys, but they needed to add one more guy and a young player, and now they have a rotation and some depth along along that front. And when you're in nickel 70% of the time, when you're in five defensive backs and and working against, you know, pass close to 70% of the time, you've got to have depth in terms of pass rushers, and you've got to be able to line guys up in different spots. And And to me, that's what they're doing with that Barnett pick. Sydney Jones, as Mel talked about, it's it's smart. This organization needs two starting corners moving forward. They may not get one out of Sidney Jones this year, but they're going to get what I think is the second-best cornerback in this class, and they, they got him at in, in pick 43, where, where they would have had to move up from 14 to get Jones had he not gotten injured uh, in his pro day. Rasul Douglas, listen, they put an emphasis on run support and tackling. And I think they got two guys in Jones and Douglas who do a really good job in those those areas and have length and can play some of that that press zone that they want to play. And so they they got players that really fit. I love the Mac Hollins pick. I think Mac Hollins to me in the fourth round is a, it could be an absolute steal. He has some durability issues in college, but he averaged over twenty yards per catch. He's six four. He's two hundred eighteen pounds in that range, and he's a vertical receiver that can go up and contest for fifty fifty balls. So. You're giving your young quarterback a vertical threat in Mac Hollins and in Shelton Gibson, and then in addition, you're getting Mac Hollins, who has the highest football character you'll find out there, and comes in with a chip on his shoulder as a former walk-on, and and uh, I think he's the best gunner and kickoff cover guy in the draft. So there's so much versatility there. Donnell Pumphrey as well. I think pound for pound, Donnell Pumphrey might be the, the toughest player in this draft, and you've got uh Darren Scrolls, who's 34 years old, in June. So th- it all just made sense to me what they're doing. I, I really like uh, what they did for the Philadelphia Eagles, top to bottom in this draft. We'll
0: go to Jim Klein, Peter, followed by Mark Pakash with the Chicago Sun-Times.
1: Given where uh, Jacksonville was coming out of free agency, does picking Leonard Fournette make this a transformative draft, or set them up for this being a transformative draft for the for the uh, franchise?
2: I love the pick because I think it has Tom Coughlin written all over it, and I think philosophically, what Jacksonville is will transition to wanting to do, and what they want to do is they play to your strength. And your strength is your defense. You've got this young, talented defense that was playing, I think, at a playoff level during the second half of last season. And what's your weakness? It's it's the mistakes in the offensive side at the quarterback position. It's inconsistency from Blake Bortles. So now we've gotten a player in Fournette. I don't think there's a player in this draft who could help you transition to focusing on your defense, slowing down the game on offense, limiting mistakes, and not forcing that defense to be on the field too too often. And there's not one that had that value and could provide that more than Leonard Fournette. So he thrives 20, 20 20-plus carry games where he can get going and start wearing down the opponent. And I just think when you look at Tom Coughlin and his influence on this draft, I think that it started there at number four, and I I really like that decision. Yeah, just say like I was talking Fournette,
1: you get Cam Robinson. Cam Robinson in pass protection had some hiccups, and he's got to get better. Uh, but at right tackle, he's a mauler, and that's going to help Fournette. His ability to drive people off the ball and, and just get after it in the run game and, and help that running back Fournette, that's what they need. Uh, this is not a draft where you could have gotten multiple offensive linemen that can help you. It would have been very difficult. It wasn't a year where you're going to get a lot of help, and Robinson dropping to 34. That was a good pick at that point. A lot of teams in the middle of the first round, I'm sure, considered Cam Robinson. But the fact that he's a right tackle, and he didn't have a great year, uh, you know, maybe contributed to him dropping. But I think if you're looking for a guy that could be a real fine for them and a good football player for them, and a contributor is Blair Brown out of Ohio in the fifth round.
0: Next up is Mark Potash, followed by Ryan O'Halloran with the Florida Times Union.
2: Hi guys, uh the Bears had a kind of an unorthodox draft, uh, you know, just five picks, a big price for Trubisky. Let us small some guys. Curious what your thoughts are on that, but I'm particularly interested in Adam Shaheen, the tight end from Ashland. What is it about this guy that indicates he what he what he did at the small school level will translate to the NFL? How big of a roll of the dice is that to draft him? Well, I don't think it's a big roll of the dice. I've I've been a big fan of his, studied his tape and you know, I, I remember the Scout texting me. You got to, you got to watch this guy. I think it was in October. Uh, he's, he's, he's the real deal. And he, this guy can play. And I said, really? Look, Ashland, an underclassman tight end from Ashland, who played basketball at, uh, it was, yeah, Pitt, Pitt Johnstown, and then transferred in. And I started watching the tape, and it was very obvious. It didn't take long. Now the level of competition, I get it, and it, it was very clear that he was just kind of manhandling some guys, but. He has at 278 pounds. He has good speed, very athletic, very good hands. Does a great job with contested throws. Can run after the catch. I just I think he's got a chance to be an impact starter. He actually for 278, you'd think he'd be a great blocker. He he's a work in progress in that area, but certainly has the size and and will develop some of the strength to continue to improve in that area. Plus, you know, you needed youth at tight end. Zach Miller's turning 33 this season and coming off of injury, so I. I like the pick. You've got a young quarterback at some point who, in Trubisky, who will take over, and now you give him a young security blanket to, to grow old with, if you will. Um, so to me, it made a lot of sense. And, and what I really like about the move, too, is that they moved back from 36 to 45 to where, you know, where they still could get Shaheen, but they weren't reaching a little bit for him. And they picked up an extra fourth rounder, which they used to get, uh, Terry Cohen, the running back. And also a 2018 fourth rounder. So they kind of, they helped recover a little bit in terms of what they had to give away to San Francisco moving up just one spot to get Trubisky. I think the fun player to watch is going to be Cohen. I, I like them
1: all along, like them all year. I mean, the kid is a dynamic running back and he can catch it. He can return kicks. Uh, yeah, he's not, he doesn't go down easy. He's not one of those guys you have to worry about. The L.A. Oh, college, this is the NFL. He's, he's, he's five, six and a half. That doesn't mean he's short. He's not small. And he's got, he runs with the real determination. I like that pick. Eddie Jackson could be a really good punt returner initially. And his cover skills are excellent. as a former corner. Now, he doesn't tackle that well. He's not one of those guys that's going to lights out be a lights-out hitter. I don't think he'll tackle adequately. Jordan Morgan in the fifth round is obviously going to be a guard, not a tackle. But I thought he showed he could go against the big boys uh, down in Mobile and hold his own. I think the Trubisky pick, the Trubisky move, having Glennon, I understand it. I think Trubisky needs time. I wish he would have stayed for another year. Uh, he didn't but this, uh, gives,
2: this gives him time. Yeah. It you know does. and I, I But how much
1: time in the NFL these days? I mean people are gonna say if Glenn's struggling this year in Chicago, get Trubisky well, ready.
2: Well maybe, and maybe even if it's just eight games or ten games, then at least it's something and it's you're you're in the process, you're watching, you're learning. But he hadn't played. He I had played, hadn't, played in th- started thirteen. I games. understand that. I'm saying I'm saying listen, I, I don't I think they gave up an awful lot to go get him, but Five years from now, if they develop him properly into a starting quarterback and he's the guy for a decade, no one's ever going to care what they gave up for. No one ever talks about, um, you know, what what Howie Roseman gave up to go up and get Car- Carson Wentz. You know, they gave up a lot. But it looks like Wentz is going to be a good starter for them for a long time, so no one cares. I think that's the only position you you trade up for. And if you've got to give a little bit more than value, I'm, I'm fine with it. Trubisky's tape looks like he could be a good starter in the league. Now they have to develop him and, and see what the timeline is once they get him in the building and how quickly he digests the offense, how quickly he learns the verbiage, how quickly he's able to get in and out of the huddle and make the the pre-snap checks and kills that he needs to make. You, you just won't know until you start the process. But I think, you know, as much as it surprised me that they did it and as much as they gave up, if he winds up being a good starter for them, and they made the right decision.
1: And I think Key is going to be, and I, I, all year it sounds like I did, but all year I like Trubisky. And I know had a high grade, I just think you have to handle him uh, a certain way and how he's developed will be key. And, uh, yeah, I look at the wide receiver position at Chicago and how that's going to evolve with what they added in free agency with Wheaton and Wright didn't draft any uh in terms of the of outside of Shaheen, a tight end, no wide receivers. Uh Cohen can't help you there. I just think with Trubisky, it's going to be interesting with Glennon. Uh, you know, Glennon's there for one year. How does Glennon play? Uh, when is Trubisky going to be ready to go? Uh, you yeah, know, that's, that's what you're going to judge this draft
2: by. How does Glennon handle it, too, yeah. as a guy who's been looking for a shot to start and got brought in to be the starting quarterback, and now the clock is ticking on him? So that will be an interesting dynamic to, to follow.
0: Next, we'll go to Ryan O'Halloran and then James Cratch with NewJersey.com. Hey guys,
1: follow up with uh, Cam Robinson of the Jaguars. They declared him a left tackle the other night. How big of an
2: ask would that be for him to play left tackle this year as a rookie? And and what does he have to do to improve as a pass protector? I think balance is the big key, and, I, and I, it's it's it'll be tough if that's where they wind up using him. It's going to be a tough transition. They're going to have to protect them. They're going to have to get, you know double teams in certain situations against certain pass rushers. Chip. Blocks with bash coming out of the backfield, move tight end over there, all, all those things that you need to do in order to protect the left tackle when he's overwhelmed by an NFL edge rusher. And you saw this year, whether it was Derek Barnett, Miles Garrett, guys that, you know, the top tier pass rushers gave him trouble because he's a lunger. And I think he has all the tools in the world. He has the feet. He's strong. He can be a mauler in the run game. And, I mean, it takes a lot to get around him, but he's got to learn to be patient, sit back in a set, stay balanced, and not not waist bend. I mean, he's he has a tendency to do it, and and when he lunges, he becomes vulnerable, and that's what they're going to have to coach out of him. And I wouldn't get too wrapped up in left tackle, right tackle. No, right. I wouldn't either. I
1: mean, that, to me, the NFL is about you know, all these pass rushers and – the way they play the game now, it's not 1990 or 1980. It's a different game now, and it's left tackle, right tackle. We don't see any left I tackle. I thought he
2: might move into guard. You know, Before he was drafted by right. any team, I guess is my point. Right. Anywhere on the
1: perimeter. And he's played left tackle for three straight years, and he's played in every game. So he's experienced. He comes out of an offense where you move, go forward. A lot of his offensive linemen are catching now. He's not a catcher. You know, he does attack, and he can move you off the line, which will help out Fournette. Coach him up a little bit, work through some of those technical flaws, and you got something. This kid came right out of high school and played really well early on, and he had some little injuries and what have you. But he played through it. So uh, I think Robinson, I'll, hey, like I said, left tackle, right tackle, if they want to try in there, that's fine. I have no issue with that. They got to have, to have this line overall, not just one guy. This line overall has to play a heck of a lot better than it did. It didn't matter what Yeldon. Yeldon played well as a rookie. didn't play well this year. He didn't have any running room. And he's and the receivers and Bortles, what does Bortles look like this year? He looked awful last year. Does he? Can they recreate some of the glimpses of, of a good quarterback we saw a couple of years ago? So we'll see. There's a lot of issues in Jacksonville that have to be worked out. And if Cam Robinson is a left tackle in the NFL, they've got to coach him up.
2: And some, something to think of, just to put a bow on it, Mel mentioned it, and it, it just made me think, you know, Morgan Moses is a good example. He's a guy who, who just could never play left tackle effectively because of the footwork. Some guys can't make the switch. I loved Morgan Moses on tape coming out of Virginia, because, but I evaluated him as a right tackle. The year before his last year at Virginia, he was playing left tackle, and he really struggled. And so whenever he had played left tackle, he struggled. When he was right tackle, he really had good success. They started him a little bit of left tackle early in Washington, and and it wasn't working. Thought he might be a bust, and they wind up switching him to right tackle, and they just – they just re-signed him and, and think that he's the, the, said that he's the best right tackle in the game. So I, I think for Robinson, I don't know if he is comfortable or not comfortable, but sometimes you want to keep a player coming out of college. If he's played his whole career at one spot, he, there's just a – with the footwork and the hands, there's a comfort level that, that's there, and maybe it's, that's the case for Robinson. We'll
0: go to James Crash and then Scott Ettrick with the Chronicle Telegram.
2: Hey, guys. Obviously, the Giants take Evan Ingram at 23. They're calling him a tight end. My question is, if you were looking at Ingram as a wide receiver coming into the draft, where would he have ranked amongst the wide receivers, and would he have been a first-round grade as a wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, it's all to say. He's a, he's a... I mean, some teams were talking about before the draft I talked to that they we're going to bring him in and just put him in the wide receiver room and treat him like that. Other teams were just going to treat him like an F tight end, a move tight end. Um So... Either way, I mean, the bottom line is he's not going to play in line. I mean, very rarely, I think, will you ever see Evan Ingram at 235 to 240 pounds playing in line. He's going to be detached out in the slot. They can move him out wide. And this guy can fly, 4-4-2 speed. I think he's. It gives Eli Manning a weapon that he's not really had. It's an organization that averaged an NFL worst. I think I saw 7.7 yards per catch from the tight end position, and now you give him a weapon that – really you have to account for defensively and can help open things up for underneath receivers as well. So I, I, I really like this pick, and I think it's something that Eli missed, that Eli Manning has been missing over the last few years.
0: We'll go to Scott Petrack, followed by Jim Wyatt with Titans Online.
2: Hey, guys. I just wanted to follow up on that earlier Browns question. What did you think about the decision to trade down from 12 with Deshaun Watson sitting there on the board?
1: You know, it, that all depends upon how you feel. It doesn't matter what Todd says or I say about Deshaun Watson. Todd likes him more than I do. Uh, but the bottom line is, what do they think? And if they didn't evidently like Deshaun Watson. Now, you can say, well, they didn't like Carson Wentz last year. Well, they didn't like Deshaun Watson, or if they did, they would have taken him. So they knew, they, they, they gift-wrapped Wentz to Philadelphia, they gift-wrapped uh, you know, Watson to Houston and said, okay, you take them. we don't want them." So that's their right. That's their prerogative. They evaluated them. They didn't like him. Um, You know, who did they like? That's the thing. You know, Deshaun Kaiser's their guy. So I didn't like Kaiser. They did. We'll see. Uh, you know, there's quarterbacks. I've been wrong one and right on Todd, same way. So we're all, it's hit or miss. Uh, the bottom line is they didn't take the quarterback at one. They took Miles Garrett. And the Trubisky thing is something you can attack them a little on saying, okay, if you won them, why didn't you get them? Yeah, you know, San Francisco was looking to move down. Chicago got him. Uh, so, if, yeah, if they didn't want to give up all that, then they like Kaiser. Maybe Kaiser's grade was close enough to Trubisky. They felt comfortable waiting on a couple of those other quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, bottom line is the Browns have had terrible success evaluating quarterbacks over the years, uh, and at hopefully at some point they get it right. I'm not a – I didn't have – I had a third, fourth-round grade on
2: Kaiser all along. I – yeah, Tom, you go ahead. No, I, I agree. I have a late, late second-round grade. I don't – Maybe he's the answer if developed properly. you got to coach out of him the two hardest things to coach out of a quarterback. That's all I'll say is is the decision-making and inconsistency with accuracy. So they've got their work cut out for them. But I also would say that you could argue up there with Pat Mahomes, they would have the two highest upsides in terms of physical ability and what they can develop into if – brought along properly, and it's going to take a lot of really good coaching, and it's going to take time. So, again, I said it earlier, if you're a Browns fan, I I would hope if I'm a Browns fan I don't see Kaiser year one. Not just you shouldn't hope to see it, but I would really hope that means that he's getting the time that he needs to develop on the back end, and maybe we have something next year, and it gives them a year to evaluate Kaiser and what they see from him every day in practice and working with him on the board, and to see if he's, if he's getting it. And if he's not, then next year you'll try to, I would hope you'd try to package some of those picks and move up if you need to, to go get the USC quarterback or Josh Allen from Wyoming. Uh, Sam Darnold's the USC guy. Josh Rosen, if he turns out to be what physically we think he can be. Um, so there's a lot of talent in that quarterback class next year if they don't think that Deshaun Kaiser is coming along at the pace that they want him to.
0: Tim Wyatt, and then
2: Bob Condota with the Seattle Times. Hey, guys, I'm hoping you can share your thoughts on the Titans draft and how sh- happy should Marcus Mariota be with the addition of Davis, Taylor, and Smith. Yeah, I, I like the direction. And I'll be honest, if my first instinct when when I saw Corey Davis go number five overall, I, I was thinking, man, it's kind of a reach. You know, I, I like Corey Davis. I had him right up there, identical grades with Mike Williams. Williams ranked basically one one or two spots ahead of Davis. I think Corey Davis at five, I'm looking at it, thinking of reach. I'm not seeing the big picture. It turns out they were right. And those, the receivers came off the board a lot faster than we expected. All three of the first rounders came off the board by number nine to Cincinnati. And so you've got to, as a general manager, look at the pairing. And I think all along, John Robinson knew that he would like to, in a perfect world. You're not married to it, but you'd like to get a cornerback and a wide receiver what's the best shot to get the best pairing, not necessarily just the best player at five. And I know Corey Davis has some durability issues, but it's not necessarily lingering. It's just something he's got to work through now. And Marshawn Lattimore, who I know a lot of people are saying, well, why didn't they take Lattimore there? He would have been a great pick at cornerback, but he also has those lingering hamstring injuries that have been an issue. He missed a season and a half basically at Ohio State because of it. So, the pairing was always going to favor, be favorable to taking a wide receiver first because the cornerbacks, that class had so much more depth. If it wasn't Adoree Jackson, it could have been Tredavious White, Quincy Wilson, so on and so forth. So to me, they, they saw the board, they understood and managed it properly. They got the best or the second-best wide receiver, depending on how you look at it, and they got one of the top three or four cornerbacks in this class, and both are high-impact players. I think they did a really good job.
1: I want to see, too, if Adoree Jackson has used any at any point in time on in offense. He's a great punt returner as well. And then taiwan Taylor, a very competitive, talented receiver out of West Virginia. Really Southern. underrated. I mean, and Johnnie Smith will help that tight end. So they got weapons now that they were able to bring in. Muhammad has a shot, to, I think, to make that football team the seventh-round pick out of Cal. has some returnability in the kickoff return game. So they did. The emphasis was on it, which is what it should be. Help out your young quarterback, and they did.
0: Next is Bob condota and then Jason Leisure with Palm Beach Post.
1: Um, yeah, I was just, was just hoping to get a quick thought from each of you on the Seahawks draft, and I guess especially what they did sort of moving down, moving down kind of the ninth block overall, picking up four extra picks later. And um, Yeah, I love
2: that.
1: On the secondary.
2: That was the value to me, one of the value moves of the entire draft. I, I thought they killed it, especially when you consider the history of, Pete Carroll, John Schneider, and how many guys that they've found successful players they found in the later rounds, knowing that they're that that's a skill of theirs, and so they they realize that Malik McDowell is probably going to slide a little bit. I'm guessing he was one of the players they wanted all along. They're sitting there in the first round and they they say, you know what, we can move back. They move back three times and get to 35, and they wind up getting a player. I think the the culture that Pete Carroll is created with the competition there, I, and and not having to use Malik McDowell as an every down player, I think McDowell is going to thrive here. I, thought, I always thought he was a scheme fit. I kept giving him to them in first round mock drafts until towards the end because I just didn't think he was going to come off the board in the first round. But I always liked this pairing. And in addition to Malik McDowell, they wind up moving back and using, you know, from 26 to 35, three separate times, accumulate third, fourth, sixth, and seventh round picks in this year's draft and turned it into Delano Hill, the safety who grew on me as the more tape I watched out of Michigan, Tedrick Thompson, another safety um, coming out of Colorado, Cincinnati defensive back Michael Tyson, Mike Tyson, and the running back Christopher Carson. So you wind up getting four players in addition to Malik McDowell for that one pick and and the three moves that they made. I, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I will say if there's a key guy that I I didn't like, and some of these other players I think you
1: look at as, you know, we'll wait and see on, but I think Amara Darbo in the third round, the wide receiver out of Michigan had a really good year, and I think he can help that wide receiving core. Uh, the kid did a good job. Go to the Ohio State game, and he beat some good corners there at Ohio State. And Mike McDowell, McDowell liked Chris Jones last year. Thought like Chris Jones likes McDowell. Similar type of kids. They they didn't give you the kind of consistency from the start of the game to the end, or even the start of the year to the end of the year. Very similar players. I like Jones was a little bit better, but I think you look at the the. the what happened with Jones, he lasted until the second round for a reason. Kansas City traded out of the first round and got Jones in the early second. Seattle did the same thing with to get McDowell. So the two players that ended up in the second round when their talent should have indicated top 10. We said it all last year with Jones. He should have been a top 10, top 15 pick. He wasn't because he was up and down. And same thing with McDowell. Everybody had McDowell in the top ten projecting this draft when it started back in uh, in August, September. And here he is at pick 35. So, you know, I say these guys can be as good as they want to be, McDowell, and it's up to Seattle to get the most out of them.
0: Jason Leisure and then Jay Skirsky with the Buffalo News.
1: Um, Yes, I have a Dolphins question for each of you guys. Um, First, Mel with – Them picking Raekwon McMillan in the second round, Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed on the broadcast like you were a little down on that pick, and I'm wondering if it was because of fit with the Dolphins, or or do you question whether McMillan will be a viable NFL linebacker because of the way he plays? Well, uh, for you, um, uh, do you want me to go ahead? Yeah,
2: go
1: ahead. 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 Todd, for you, you saw them go defense early and then try to get an offensive lineman late. Would would you, you subscribe? Do you endorse that, or would you have gone the other way? Uh, you know, McMillan, yeah, I, I like Zach Cunningham. I like Zach Cunningham, the way he plays. He's an every-down player. Now, he's not necessarily the run-stopper that McMillan can be, but in this league now, it's about covering the pass and being disruptive to a quarterback, and six-foot-four uh inside linebackers with tremendously long arms are a disruption to quarterbacks, and the range in the athleticism is outstanding with Cunningham. Uh, you know, McMillan's a not a, a a cover guy, he's not an every down player. So that's the reason why I just saw who was on the board. That's why it was I was less than overwhelmed uh with McMillan at that particular point.
2: With uh you know, I think I I Isaac Asiata, he's he's got Mauler qualities and I, I think he can come in and, and can help and it kinda of makes sense in that they're you know, they're gonna wind up kicking last year's First round pick, Laramie Tunsil, out to left tackle. And so now you, you bring in a guard that I, I think is a better run blocker than pass protector at this point, but certainly a player that can come in and compete for that, for the, one of the guard spots. So, and, and I would have to sit there honestly and look through every single pick and see where Miami was and what offensive lineman was on the board. I like the Charles Harris pick a lot. Mel talked about McMillan. Um, Cordrea Tankersley, I'm not as high on as some people, but there are people out there, and clearly that's the value they had on him. So, um, and, and they needed to add another cornerback to the mix for depth and, and coverage pers- purposes, and he's a guy that, you know, when you, when you look at him, he's he's got straight line speed. He's got the ability to pull take the ball away a little bit. Um, and I, I think he fixed their scheme. Let's put it that way. So – to me, I, maybe I would have a little bit earlier gone ahead and taken an offensive lineman, but I'd have to go and study every single you know pick and, and where they came off the board. But Asiata has a chance to win that starting job, and and if he does, then it all worked out.
0: Chase Kersky and then David Daring with the Houston Chronicle.
1: Hey, hey guys. It's been a pretty busy day here in Buffalo, as you might imagine. Uh, just wondering if you could maybe give us uh, – an overview of what you thought of the Bills' draft, particularly in what maybe was kind of an awkward situation?
2: I thought I thought the Bills had a, a great draft. You know, obviously they they were working through their front office situation, but just focusing on the football part of it and what they did, I thought it was one of the best drafts that they've had in years. And, I, you know, the Nate Peterman pick jumps out right away just because they got – what I believe to be the best, the most pro-ready quarterback in, in this year's draft. Now, he doesn't have the high upside. Trubisky's a better player. Sean Watson had a better career, and, and it brings a different skill set. Pat Mahomes has a much better upside and a much better arm. But to me, Peterman, having gone, gone through three schemes, some pro-style looks, reads, and responsibilities, understanding how to make the pre-snap decisions and to set protections, He just he comes in the league with a lot more knowledge and experience and what you have to do to be an NFL player than a lot of these other quarterbacks. So I thought that was a to me probably their best value pick. And Tredavious White, I think he's a starter. I don't think he has the best man-to-man cover qualities in terms of just speed and fluid hips, but I think he is the most consistent, one of the most consistent on tape. And he's a guy who just understands the game, really good instincts and awareness. And I think that they. They got a great value at 27 for him. Zay Jones at 37 is right where we expected him to come off the board. He is a, he's a player who can get down the field. He's much more than just a bubble screen receiver. He can create after the catch, big hands, good hands, and a great week at the senior bowl against better competition. I thought he he just killed the process after having unbelievable production in college. I think Deion Hawkins can be a, a plug and play starter. So what they did in the draft, moving back, getting some collateral, it, it was – I was impressed, and I think it's it's really promising if you're a Bills fan to see kind of how things went this year. Yeah, I would say McDermott, obviously he knew what he wanted. He handled the draft, got a first-round pick from Kansas
1: City next year. Got your Dabius White, which was obviously a guy that you would have targeted even at 20 to 27, so nothing wrong with that. I think you, know, you have special teamers in Milano and Vallejo will help there. And Peterman, I just hope with his big hands – and his cerebral approach and how accurate he is and how tough he is, that he can his arm will improve. It's going to have to improve for Buffalo because look at the conditions you have to play in there and in New York and in New England. So I think if his arm improves, which it has improved for a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL once they get into the league, uh if it does, he's got a shot to be a great fifth-round pick. And,
2: and the other thing, too, that Mel mentioned, the first-rounder next year, we don't know the future of Tyrod Taylor or Nate Peterman at this point. And we'll see. And if that, everything works out great, great. But if – if the end of the next season comes and they're not happy with their quarterback, now you've got two first-rounders next year to potentially move up to where you need to to go get a Sam Darnold or uh, or Josh Allen or Joe, uh, Rosen from UCLA. So, you know, it's something to keep an eye on moving forward, and, and hopefully they don't need to, but I just, it makes sense to me how they manage this draft.
0: David Barron, and then Therese Taylor with the Kansas City Star.
2: Uh, two things, if I may. One would just be a general
1: observation on the Texans draft group. And, and then now that the the draft is over, how do you sum up the entire let's get Brock Osweiler, let's get it rid of Brock Osweiler, let's trade up to get the Deshaun Watson? How, how do you judge that entire episode now that it seems to have come to an end for the moment? Well, I think in terms of Watson, you know, they believe in him. They're going to let Savage probably be the starting quarterback. Yeah, his, uh, his preciseness, accuracy from the pocket is what's in question. I watched him early in the year, and he was struggling. He got better. He's a gamer. He's got the mental capacity, the leadership, all that you want. He's got all the intangibles you want. It's just, can he ever become an accurate passer from the pocket in the NFL? Um, Zach Cunningham, I like. Uh, you know, Deontay Foreman's kind of one-dimensional. He's got to work on his receiving. He's a willing blocker. He at least will try. He'll get that, but he's got to get better. Um you know, Davenport's got a lot of work to do in terms of the weight room and dealing with NFL players after coming out of Bucknell, a low level of competition. Uh, he's got to get stronger. He's got to get better technique. Watkins was a great fourth-round pick. And then, of course, the other late-round picks, we'll see if they can make the football team. But this is all going to be about Watson, uh, whether two, three years from now. Is he Dak Prescott? There were some people wanting to make comparisons of him to Prescott because people say, oh, Prescott's not the pure passer. And here's Watson, not the accurate, precise passer. So similar things. Uh, that you heard about, Prescott, you heard about Watson. Uh, Prescott was a fourth-round pick. Watson's a 12th pick overall. So we'll see. Uh, Cleveland didn't want any part of of Prescott, as a lot of teams did. They passed on, what, eight times? They passed on Watson here. So that just tells you three teams that needed quarterbacks passed on them to let three other teams get them. That tells you how – we're, Todd and I are mixed on these quarterbacks. Everybody in the league was mixed. You got no consensus on any of these quarterbacks in this draft this year. Peterman supposedly moving up, went in the fifth round. Dobbs supposedly moving up, went in the fourth round. Nobody had a built-in consensus. Or could, could anybody agree on these quarterbacks this year? Yeah,
2: and, and for Osweiler, they were done with him. It, it, this wasn't an uh, Osweiler-Watson thing. This was a we're done with Watson. For various different reasons, They just they were done with him. They gave him a shot. They paid him too much money. They know it. They made a mistake, and he he wasn't. He just wasn't working on the field. He wasn't getting it, and they they just wanted to move on. And so, evaluate how that however you want. But they just had to move on. And I think sometimes teams get caught up in trying to. They live too long with their mistakes instead of admitting it and moving forward. I and I give them credit, and I give old Bill O'Brien credit because he knows he made a mistake and he's not going to let it linger. We've got to move on, and that's what they did, and so during the process, I'm told that he fell in love with Deshaun Watson when they met, and Bill O'Brien expects a lot mentally from your quarterback, so he, when sitting down with him and spending time with him, he he came to the the belief that Watson is a guy that can pick up what he wants to do. I'll be interested to see if there's some tweaks in terms of what they're they try to do offensively, but I also think that Watson, my guess is he's going to get a shot to start, and that they believe in this guy so much, and they think that he's going to be able to to come in and, and learn as he goes. And just the, the intangibles and the ability to change a culture of an organization is there. Not that they need a massive shift in culture, but on the offensive side, they, they do. So I, I'm going to be interested to see how it works out, because this is an awesome opportunity for for Watson and for Bill O'Brien. And we'll see how quickly they're able to, to pull it all together.
0: Unfortunately, we have time for just one more question. Before we get to it, though, a reminder that you can find more analysis from Mel and Todd on ESPN.com, as well as tonight's Sports Center special, Draft Grades. And that show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Therese Paler, go ahead with your questions.
1: All right, thanks, guys, for doing this. I just would like your thoughts on the Chiefs' overall draft class, uh, not just Mahomes, and also as it relates to Mahomes, how good is the fit between his skill set and what Andy Reid wants to do? Well, Andy's going to let him develop and evolve. His skill set is outstanding. Remember, Donovan McNabb came out of an option offense and drafted him in Philadelphia ahead of some other guys who maybe people thought you know, should have been drafted higher. Look what McNabb evolved into because of Andy's tutelage and the way he coaches up quarterbacks. Uh, he took Alex Smith, the disappointment there, had the one year and ends up in Kansas City. And he's a, you may say he's a plateau quarterback, but he's won a lot of regular season games. Now he'll, well, you know, to allow them the time. And it's a perfect situation for Mahomes. Of all the quarterbacks, it's ideal, the best scenario, the better than anybody, because you have time. You're in Kansas City with John Dorsey, who's a really good GM, and Andy Reid, who's an outstanding coach. So you got the great front office, the great organization, and a, and a quarterback whisperer, quarterback guru in and Andy Reid. Look at all the great quarterbacks he's been around. All right, so I think you look at that great scenario. If Patrick Mahomes ever going to be a, a really good quarterback in the NFL, this is a precise and perfect uh, place for him, the ideal place for him. Uh, Passanion, I saw a lot at Villanova. Yeah, you know, he flashes. He's got awesome talent. Hey, he's got some get-off. He's got some ability. He just needs to be coached up. And develop, obviously, coming from a 1AA program into the NFL. is going to take a little time. Hunt, we love to run Hunt. Downhill runner, runs with power, has some ability to catch the football out of the backfield as you show time and time again. And you know, I think he will convert short yardage opportunities. Uh Cheston was supposed to be the guy. This year, he was just okay. Darbo was the guy. Aligua, the Florida State transfer, was productive around the ball a lot. So, yeah. To me, it's all about Mahomes. When you look back on this Chief team, they are going as far as they can go with Alex Smith. Uh, and it seems like they get a great regular season, get to the playoffs, boom. Uh, can they ever win a playoff game with him? We'll see. It's not going to be Mahomes' team for a while. It's still going to be Alex Smith's team, whether it's two years, three years, however it is, we'll see. But I think this whole draft, giving up a first-round pick next year, it's all about Patrick Mahomes. And I think his skill set. With his arm, with his mobility, which was underrated, which I believe he's now all in on football. Everybody talks; to him loves the fact that he's totally dedicated to the game. Uh, work to get to keep his body in the kind of shape it needs to be in is something we have to watch moving forward. Uh, everything points to him being in the right situation at the right time. I think it was it was for him, Todd. It was the best spot imaginable. Yeah,
2: and I, the the hunt pick I think is one of the better values in terms of where they got and what they got. You know, he's not Charles he's actually kind of the opposite in terms of running skills. Jamal Charles is so was so explosive for them and had that big play element. Hunt is the one area he lacks is the top end speed, but he's got everything else. His balance on contact, meaning his ability to, to take a hit and continue to stay on his feet and and go from there. I think is as good as any back in this class. That's what, I thought he said the area he excelled in the most, bounced off so many attempted tackles and and also catches the ball really well, which is a, a key in this offense. So, you know, you got the speed element with Tyreek Hill last year, a guy, a versatile guy you can move around, do different things with. And I think now you've, in Hunt, it's not the same back as Jamal Charles, but it's a, a back that fits very well what you want to do. And And I think he's going to contribute, and I think he's ready to contribute right away as a rookie.
0: Again, I'm so sorry I couldn't get to all of you today, but sincere thank you for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and I will work to get that audio replay of this call posted tomorrow. Thanks again.